The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Today, what's going to happen is you're going to get a bonus sermon in our series called Roots. Uh, We're going to see what the scriptures have to say on the subject of gratitude, which if we had six core values, this would be our sixth. And um, I'm actually in prayer about whether or not that should indeed happen. Uh, I'm asking the Lord if we should add a core value because the scriptures are very clear about how important uh, gratitude is for the Christian. So if you would, please turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 12. So here's what we're going to do today. Uh, I'm going to give you five reasons that we as Christians should be grateful. And I think intuitively, we all understand uh, that gratitude is important. At least we all understand that others should be grateful. Uh, we teach our kids to say thank you. And we all expect, expect that obligatory phrase at the end of most verbal transactions. And what I want us to focus on today is not so much being good at displaying a convincing facade of gratefulness, but having a truly grateful heart and disposition. I realize this may sound corny, but uh, the rhyme you often hear is true. We should have an attitude of gratitude and not let gratefulness just be situational. Does that make sense? Our disposition, our constant, should be grateful. Um, A.J. Gossip Unfortunate last name for a Scottish theologian, but uh, that was his name, A.J. Gossip. Uh, He was a Scottish theologian, and he served as a chaplain in the First World War. He said this on the importance of being thankful. Thanksgiving is the language of heaven, and we had better start to learn it if we are not to be mere dumb aliens there. You understand what he's saying? He's saying that Thanksgiving is so important that if we don't practice it here, if we are not able to communicate and live our lives with gratitude here, heaven's going to be uncomfortable for us. Eternity with God will be uncomfortable for, for us um, because gratitude is, is absolutely and should be a part of uh, the character of every Christian. And I know, uh, I know that some of you are still reeling um, from the fact that I said I was going to give you five reasons to be grateful because you're thinking, man, that could take over an hour. Um, And I know that Sunday night is the primest of prime time as far as television is concerned. And so um, I know that you don't want to miss, you know, intellectually stimulating treats like Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, Some of you may have a copy of Sharknado 2 waiting for you at home. Um, I don't want to deprive you of that. And so I think we can do this in less than an hour. But uh, if we don't, it's going to be okay. Let me just throw this out there. Um, I know that the current advice to preachers is uh, not to have more than three points, because no one will remember more than that. To keep your sermons short, because people don't have the attention span for a long sermon. Now, I, I get it, and I understand that if a preacher is rambling on about nothing for two hours, and he's the only one that knows what's going on, that that's not fruitful. I understand that. Um, but I, I, just, I refuse to believe that God's people are so full of themselves that they have no hunger left for Christ or his word. I, don't want, I won't believe that about you, so prove me right, okay? Amen. Uh, and while I got the hammer out, let's just go ahead and put it to good use. Um, <laughs> I bet if I told you that I was going to take two hours to give you ten steps, and if you followed those ten steps exactly, I guaranteed you, you would end up with a million-dollar check in your mailbox, you'd be on the edge of your seat for the whole two hours. Am I right or wrong? And you'd be scurrying looking for something to write with. I don't care if what you found was a Sharpie marker. You'd end up with notes on your arms, on your face, whatever you had to do, right? Because you'd want to know, yeah, the 10 steps to a million bucks. That would all of a sudden feel important. What does this tell us about what or who we value? Why are we not as consistently excited to open and study together the very words of our creator God as we would be a 10-step plan to a million bucks? You coming here with me? You having fun yet? I am. If we thought right about it, we would know that this word is our greatest treasure, that the gospel is our most precious jewel, and that every bit of wisdom found in this Bible 
and that this Bible contains is of such great value that we should seek it with more intensity and desperation than we ever would gold or silver or any other currency. If you believe that, say amen, glory to God, hallelujah, or something. Amen. Amen. I believe that. The truth found in God's word is worth more than a million bucks. It's the the key to real joy. There's a lot of people with a million bucks that are real sad. There's very few that have revelation of the beauty of the gospel that find themselves in that position. Let's read uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 together. Uh, We're going to go to verse 18. <clears throat> but we, we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. But always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Reason number one why we should all be grateful is that gratitude is God's will for you. Now, I, I personally don't need four more reasons after knowing that gratitude is God's will for everyone. I could stop right there. Uh, That's really all I need to know. However, I'm going to give you four more um, because I want you to have as much ammunition as possible against the selfishness and pride that often leads to ingratitude. Okay? Is that all right? Good. You're excited. Awesome. Um, Many Christians are often frustrated because what they desire most is to know and do God's will for their life, which honestly, that's absolutely the best desire that you could possibly have. But they don't feel like they're getting answers from God as to what his will is for their lives. And so that causes for them frustration. Much of that frustration comes from a sense of being stuck in place because you don't have further instruction from the Lord. But often we don't hear further specific instructions from God because we have not done the general parts of his will he's already revealed to us. There are things that God has made clear are his will for all his children. Like, seek the good of others. If you just look at this set of verses here in 1 Thessalonians, he's told us, here's a couple things I want all of you to do. Seek the good of others. Rejoice always. Pray always. And in everything, give thanks. That might sound hard to do. You may say to me, but what if I hate my job? So I'm totally bummed when I'm there. How do I give thanks for that? You give thanks that you have a job. And you'll be amazed that when you begin to do that and think that way, how much more tolerable it becomes than it was before. See, we tend to think that happy people are grateful people. Really, it's the other way around. Grateful people are happy people. See, some of you are waiting for something to make you happy so that you can be grateful. I would challenge you, get grateful and you'll find happiness. Some of you could push me and say, yeah, but my situation's worse than that. What if I don't have a job? How could I be grateful then? You can be grateful that God has promised he'll provide for your needs if you trust him. And that he will lead you and guide you in the process of finding a job if you'll trust him. You could say, yeah, but I've been trusting him for six months. Nothing's happened. So what do I do now? Here's what I would say to you, dear one. Trust him for seven months, eight months, nine months, because he who has promised is faithful. Keep trusting him. Because what he said to you in the meantime is he's going to be your provider. See, part of why we get all freaked out about stuff like that is we start to think that the job is God. The job is going to provide for us. Ultimately, God's going to make sure you have what you need. If you'll trust him. That's the, that's the big question. Most of the meetings I have where somebody's coming to me and they're, they're seeking counsel, they, they have an issue or a problem, most of the time what we end up drilling down to when we get all the way to the bottom, I just ask them one question. Will you trust God? Most situations come down to that question because he's given us a word full of promises and he's not failed on one yet and he's not going to start with you. Do you believe that? Are you happy about it? I'm real happy about it. I'm happy that I have the word of God full of promises from a God that's 
powerful enough to back up what he said. That I'm not a part of some false deal with fanciful hopes, but that God is real, that he really loves me, and what he's put in his word is true. I can stand on it like concrete, and it's not going to move. Is that good? All of a sudden, I'm feeling more grateful. You feeling more grateful? I'm grateful. I'm happy. Thankful for the word. Now, you do understand the difference between his specific and general will, right? Let me just take a moment for that. He's revealed his general will for all of us. Many things he's told us that he wants all of us to do. So um, we kind of already gave examples of that. But he also reveals his specific will to each of us, which is different for each person. He said things in his word like, like he'll be the light to our feet and the lamp to our path. That um, Not only has God come in the flesh and, and um, died in our place for our sins and rose again, but then he sent us a helper, the Holy Spirit. And so what we had, uh, what we had in Jesus coming to the earth was was God with us, Emmanuel, but what we have because of the Holy Spirit is God in us, and so he's with us, and he speaks to us through that still, small voice, and he leads us and guides us, and that's really comforting, because sometimes I don't know what to do. Am I the only one? Sometimes there's, like, tough stuff in life, and, like, I, I just don't know what to do next, but I'm really comforted that God has promised to communicate with me when I'm in that position. Really, he's promised because of Christ to communicate with me whenever I feel like it, which, I mean, if you're looking for gratitude ammunition, there's some. God will hear your prayers. The God of the universe, I mean, how insignificant am I in the grand scheme of all of time and history? A blip on the radar, if that, yet God cares about me. I'm a grateful man. It makes me real thankful. Amen. So he does reveal his specific will to each of us. And so, like, just for example, and this might be dumb, but uh, say, for example, someone here, the Lord may lead you to uh, work on electronics, right? Maybe you're gifted, that interests you, and so he would lead you to get into that field, and so he would give you the gifts to, you know, be able to put stuff together and solder delicate little components of electronics. Here's the thing, and here's what I'm saying about it, the specific will of God being different. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would have been very cruel for the Lord to call me to that profession, right? Because as a, uh, a photographer shooting our family portrait when I was a teenager pointed out, um, and this, this was his exact words, that my hands are like meat hooks. So um, thankfully, because of the scriptures and God's grace, uh, I've overcome that, and um, I, I have some level of self-esteem, but... Um, I am, would not be gifted at soldering together little fine connections underneath a magnifying glass. I don't have finesse. Um, you know, if a sport involves crushing something or moving something, I'm, I can do that. But when it takes any level of, of skill or finesse, I start to struggle. So God calls us to do different things, but he also builds us for those different tasks. He uniquely gifts us and gives us talents so that what he calls us to do will not be a burden but a joy. Again, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God didn't make me with meat hook hands and then call me to be an electronic engineer soldering little, little wires together. Amen? Uh, some of you have not been given further specific instructions or direction from the Lord because you have refused to obey him in what he's already told you. If that is you, I would call you lovingly to repent today and obey because your frustration and anger at God over his apparent failure is sinful and unwarranted. I wasn't as happy as the stuff before, right? But it's true. Some of you feel stuck where you're at. You feel like God's not speaking to you about what's next. And the issue is you've not obeyed what he's already told you. It could be something as simple as not obeying the fact he's called all of us to be grateful. You might be stuck in an attitude of ingratitude and selfishness. And that could impede you from hearing God's voice. That could impede you from hearing what it is that he would tell you to do next. Turn with me, if you would, just a few pages back. We're going to go to Philippians uh, chapter 4. Should be a short turn. Uh, we're going to start in verse 4. Reason number two why we should all be grateful is that a lack of gratitude will hinder your access to the Father. Now, I don't know about you. I can't afford that. <laughs> I stay in trouble most of the time, and I need God's help. <laughs> um, I'm chronically overwhelmed. Life is busy. God's given me um, 
a wife to be a husband to, children to be a father to, uh, other relationships to manage, and I often need his help, and I need to hear his voice, and I need to have his ear, and I can't afford to have uh, ignorant things in the way of that. And so uh, a lack of gratitude can hinder our access to the Father, and so we need to be aware of that. Uh, We're going to read Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, and we're going to read to verse 7 together, okay? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's so much good instruction for us here in just these sh- uh, few short verses. We could spend a lot of time here. Um, but we see that we are lovingly invited. Do you see this? We are lovingly invited to bring our needs to God. First of all, again, I'm giving you a list of things to be grateful for. If you came in here today, lemon face, sour puss, I'm angry about everything. Hopefully by the end of this, you see, I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know if we understand this. The, the preaching of the word when you come in here... What I don't do when, when I sit down and prayerfully come to the Scriptures and ask God to give me something for uh, all of us to study, that what I'm not looking for is a list of dazzling facts and information to blow everybody's mind. The ultimate purpose of what we're doing here is not information. It's transformation. And so my hope for you today is not that you just come here and nod your head a few times in agreement about certain little pithy statements that have to do with gratitude. What I'm hoping for is that you leave here today more grateful than you came. You all right with that? You got me spitting now. You guys better get in this game or it's going to get worse. Okay? All right. Off we go. There's a lot of good instruction here in these few verses uh, for us. Uh, We're lovingly invited to bring our needs to God, which I'm so thankful for. He didn't have to do that. Do you understand that? Pride says, I deserve an audience with God. What? Who are you? Only because of what Christ has done. Am I considered worthy to come to him in prayer and his mighty ear hear my insignificant needs? But because of what Christ has done, I'm considered part of the family. I'm invited into his throne room like a son. I get to speak to him on those terms. My God, that's awesome. And so we're invited to do that, and that when we do that, that we should end up with peace, whether we have understanding or not. Do Do you see the beauty of this verse right here? What the scriptures are telling us is we can have peace in our minds and peace in our hearts without getting it, right? And that's, isn't that our sinful tendency? We, we want to get it. I want what's going on to fit within the confines of what I can grasp intellectually. I want to have it in a box that I get and I understand. But what God is saying to us is that if you'll come to me, what should happen when you come to Almighty God, the one who spoke and created everything, when you bring your needs to him and you, with thanksgiving you enter his presence and you lay at his mighty feet what it is that concerns you, you should be able to walk away from that and have peace even if you don't get how it's going to work out because you trust that he does. Is that not beautiful? Is that not reason for gratitude in the heart of the Christian? Oh my goodness, it is. That's how I sleep. Can I, can I tell you something? Six out of seven nights a week, that's how I sleep right there. That verse. Because I understand there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't get. There's a whole bunch of details I don't have worked out. But I get to leave them at the feet of one who does. One much bigger than me and more mighty and smarter and eternal and all-powerful. And so I have Peace. It transcends understanding. Praise God for that. So when we do that, when we come to God, we we should leave his presence. We should leave those times of prayer with peace. Um, But we are told that every time we offer prayers to God, it should be with thanksgiving. Do you see that? Uh, it's, It's verse six. Be anxious for nothing, right? So there's a command right there. Some of us right there need to check ourselves. Anxious. For nothing. Woo! 
Um, talk to dear brother that's uh, becoming a, a good friend this week, and um, you're struggling with some stuff, and, and this is really just, this is the most prevalent command in the scriptures phrased another way. The thing we hear God say to us most often in the scriptures is fear not. Fear not. And he'll say one of two things after he says that, almost always. He'll say either fear not for I am God. So what's he saying there? You don't fear because of who I am. Woo! And when you think about it, it's true. God is God. He made everything. How trivial are our issues in light of his greatness. And so fear not, dear one, for I am God. Or he'll say something else. He'll say fear not, for I am with you. So either his very character chases fear away from us, or the promise of him being with us conquers fear in us. And anxiousness is another word. It's that, it's that unrest that comes in fearing the unknown. I need not fear the unknown. I need fear nothing, because God is God and he's with me. You happy about that? I'm happy. You thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. Thank you, Jesus. This sentiment is an echo of the principle of gratitude and thanksgiving that is woven through all of the Psalms. I would call your attention especially to Psalm 100, which tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And so oftentimes, um, I, I, I will speak of that Psalm in terms of uh, worship because many people are mystified by what we do at the beginning and end of the service. That, that time of singing, some people don't understand why that's different than a concert, why it is it looks like some people are able to passionately engage with what's going on, and sometimes uh, you may have felt like, I, I don't get what they're getting, I don't feel what they're feeling, and I just want you to understand that part of what's going on there, the transaction that should be happening, and this, this comes all the way from <clears throat> the the position of your heart when you're in uh, a setting of worship to the, the kinds of songs that are sung. Uh, I'm really grateful for our worship team. You know, a lot of times in churches among the leadership, uh, there's, there's scuffles and, and tension because, you know, you'll have a guy on the worship team that, uh, you know, really likes songs that are a certain tempo or this or, and, you know, they want ones that is going to make everybody jump or whatever. But we have we have a worship team that loves Jesus very much. And so you will find that Pretty much every song we're going to sing is going to point you to gratitude for Jesus himself, his very character and nature, or the gospel. Um, and we're going to lift that high. What that should do is that should lead you into a place of gratitude, which is really the only way you can actually engage with God in worship. To just sing along the songs and not actually be offering up thanksgiving to God is a sing-along. That's not worship. But what worship is, is when you are actively engaged with what's being sang, when you are thinking about the fact that in Christ alone, my hope is found. And you understand that that is a reason for gratitude above every other reason, really. And, and you're singing that and you're pointing that directly to God. What happens there is there's an engagement with his spirit, and that's where that passion comes from. It's not a show. You see people clap. You hear people shout. You see people raise their hands. That's not because they want to draw attention to themselves. It's because they are literally overwhelmed with gratitude to King Jesus, as it should be, as it should be. You'll see that uh, in Psalm 100, what's, what's being said there is it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise, and so you're seeing a mental picture there of kind of the, the courtyard uh, or the, the, um, the, the outer realm of a palace and a king would sit in a throne room that would be at the very center of that. And so there's, there's levels coming in, right? The courts are just outside. And then outside, way outside of that, you've got gates that are guarded. And here's what's, here's what's being said. You will not come anywhere near God's presence without thanksgiving. You will be held at bay. Because there is one way, one way that is acceptable to come before him. What is it, Love City? With a thankful heart. There's only one way. And so some of you have wondered why you struggle to connect with God. Some of you have wondered why maybe you feel like your prayers just fall to the ground. Check what's going on in here. Am I thankful? Am I approaching him with gratitude? Or am I approaching him indignant? Am I approaching him with a sense of entitlement? These will not do. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. You will be held at the farthest outer rim of his glory if you are unthankful. 
And so what you may have to do is, in your heart and mind, begin to think through the reasons there are for gratitude. There's, there are many reasons to be ungrateful, are there not? This world is difficult. We all have difficulties in our lives. Specifically, there are grotesque evils in the world at large. There are many reasons and grievances that we could come to God with, but that is not the way to approach him. We've been told clearly here in Philippians, yes, bring your prayers and supplications to him, but do it with thanksgiving. You want to come to God, you'll be held at the gate without gratitude in your heart. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I think it's, it's just so intentional. You can't have legitimate praise without that thanksgiving first. And so I, I see Psalm 100 as somewhat of a beautiful blueprint for how to engage God in worship. And so um, I'm just thankful for that. Psalm 136 also tells us uh, to give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Much of what the Psalms, many times in the Psalms what you see is a command to be thankful and then behind it reasons to be. That's why it's good to read the Psalms because sometimes we can get really, really focused on all the stuff that bums us out. Yes or no, right? Am I alone? We do that, don't we? It's like a laser vision focus on all the stuff that makes me feel grumpy when there's so many things that should make me feel happy. So many things that should cause me gratitude. And so... Psalms helps with that um, because much of what's being written in the Psalms, even we see that w- what you have is expressions of gratitude in the midst of great grief. And that's the key, dear one. It's not about how you feel. In the midst of difficulty, gratitude is still the right posture. We don't wait till we're happy to then be thankful. Does that make sense? Part of your happiness might be held at bay because of your lack of gratitude. Grateful people are happy people. Amen. Reason number three why we should all be grateful is it leads to joy and contentment. Gratitude leads to contentment, uh, and it's very hard to steal joy from a person who is content. So we can stay right where we're at. Philippians 4, we'll just jump over to verse 10. We want to hear uh, what Paul has to say here about contentment. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at least you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. First thing I need to call your attention, um, I'll just admit right now, so this probably falls into the realm of Pastor Vince's pet peeves, but I have the microphone, so here we go. I can't really read verse 4.13 to you without calling to your attention that that verse is grotesquely misused by most people that use it. Um, You'll see it on sports posters and all kinds of stuff, and what people take that to mean is... With the power of God, I can do anything I put my mind to. Um, I get that. and, and that, Really, um, there are verses that talk about um, trusting God in faith and being able to do things we would not otherwise be able to do, but that's just not the right verse for it. Uh, and, and you'd see that that's true because ultimately there's some limitation of that. If what that is saying is... Uh, because of God or because you're associated with God, that you can do whatever you put your mind to. Like, ultimately, there's got to be a limit there, right? And so we, we know that that can't be what that's saying. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to bench press a 1,000 pounds. No, you're going to be crushed under that bar. It's going to hurt you bad. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. I can, I can fly. Give it a try. <laughs> it's not going to work, Okay. I love you, but that's not going to work. Here, it's still a beautiful verse. It's still a verse that deserves to be on your fridge, but here's what it's saying. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in the context of I can be content whether I have much or little, and that's hard. That's hard to do. That's why you need the encouragement of knowing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I I can be grateful in the midst of lack. That's what Paul's saying there. I can keep a good attitude. I can have gratitude in my heart. I can be thankful if what I'm doing is rubbing two beans together. 
If that's what I've got going on, I'm still thankful. That is the crux of that verse. That's what he's saying he's empowered by God's grace to do. To be content in every situation. That will take, hear me dear one, that will take the power of God. You will not naturally be content in the midst of desperation. You will not naturally be content when your wish list is not filled. But by God's grace and with his power you can be. And thus still thankful and full of gratitude in the midst of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. We will need his help and his power to do that. Uh, And it is right. Um, Paul also ties contentment to godliness when instructing um, Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. You can look at this later. He tells them um, that uh, godliness uh, with contentment is great gain. And uh, he goes on to say to him that uh, we brought nothing into this world and we're going to take nothing out. That's his instructions to Timothy. Uh, So pretty much he's saying just keep your mind right, brother. Um, Don't get an attitude. Stay thankful. You didn't bring anything in here. You're not going to take anything out. Be happy with what's going on. Be happy that you're in the race, that you're in the game, that you know the surpassing riches of the grace of Christ, that you're a part of this beautiful kingdom. Be thankful. Be content. A person who is grateful and content is pretty much depression-proof. When our perspective is informed by God's promises and his faithfulness, it is nearly impossible to get us down. Now, I want to say that uh, I am not insensitive to the fact that sometimes depression has medical causes, that there are certain chemical issues that can uh, coalesce to cause people to struggle as far as um, their emotional stability. And so I'm not being insensitive to that. However, what I will say to you is um, Jesus is a healer, so he can handle that too. But what I'm saying is, in general, barring some type of chemical issue, sometimes depression comes just because of poor perspective. Sometimes depression can just be a lack of contentment and gratitude. Sometimes depression can be falling prey to this human tendency to be more focused on what we have not than what we have. We need to know that about ourselves. That is a natural tendency. I know even some of you just... You would just excuse yourself in this and just say, well, I'm a pessimist and I'm just going to say I love you, but you're sinful. Stop. Stop just being a pessimist. There is much to be grateful for. And that negativity that surrounds you when you fall prey to that pessimism all the time, it doesn't ultimately lead to God's glory and it's not much help for you or anybody else. Okay? I said I love you before I said that. I'm going to say I love you afterwards. Okay? That's a love sandwich. Okay? The filling in the middle was hard to eat, but the bread was love, okay? I mean it, honest to God. I don't, I don't say hard things to you because I don't love you. I say hard things to you because I really love you. And soft words produce hard people, and hard words produce soft people, and I want you to be soft to God's conviction and his spirit. I'm not trying to get on you because I, I just enjoy it. It's, it's hard for me to say hard things because I do care for you, um, That might be a little bit untrue. Sometimes I like it. Um, But ultimately, uh, I'm doing my best to lead you to holiness. I'm doing my best to lead you to what the scriptures would call you to because I'm just convinced. I don't know where you're at on this. I'm convinced that obedience to God's word, that being in the midst of God's will, that doing what it is he commands to do, that's going to lead to your greatest joy. And I really love you and I want you to have joy. And I really love you and I want you to be happy. But I don't want you to run around looking for those things in places where you're never going to find it. And being desperate and broken in the midst of that search. So I want to lead you to the feet of the beautiful master, the one who loves you more than I could ever think of. I just want you to obey him. I just want you to trust him. I want you to find joy in the truest sense of the word by doing it. Okay? Is that all right? All right. Reason number four. See, I told you we're cruising through these. Gratitude strengthens every relationship. Okay? I told you I'm going to give you five reasons why we should all be grateful. Gratitude strengthens every relationship. Whether it's your dad or mom, your brother or sister, your aunt, uncle, cousin, friend, coworker, or the person making your coffee in the morning, gratitude makes every single relationship stronger. Okay? Uh, No matter who it is, there is inevitably a time there will be tension in the relationship. You know what I'm talking about? It's not normally your fault because you're always sweet, but it's normally the other person's issue, right? Um, 
And this can happen for various reasons. That tension can come up for all different kinds of reasons. But if you are grateful for that person in general, if your disposition towards them is gratitude, you will have a deep well of grace to draw from to help relate to them lovingly through that tension. Does that make sense? Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Say the same person makes your coffee every morning. Um, whether, you know, that could be a spouse or your favorite barista or whatever. Uh, and, and on a, a specific morning, they mess it up. Okay, so an ungrateful, selfish person, their response to that is, they do this every day. How could they possibly mess it up? How much practice do you need? Are you stupid? That's what an ingrateful person, and somebody that doesn't really value that relationship, that's how they would respond. A grateful person instead would see that same situation, but just they would flip it and they would say, wow, they make this drink great every other day. So they must, man, they must be struggling today. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to leave them a bigger tip than I was going to. You see the difference? Now, the person that makes your coffee, that's, that's kind of a, a dumb and maybe less important relationship, but this honestly applies to every relationship and, and the most important ones even more so. Uh, for example, <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm really, really thankful for my wife. I'm thankful that she's a real Christian, first of all, that's submitted to Jesus because there's a lot of people that say they are, but when it comes down to it, um, they're not submitted to the word and they want what they want more than they want what Jesus wants. And that's a really hard person to deal with, especially if you're bound to them by the covenant of marriage. And so I'm thankful that my wife really loves Jesus. Um, I'm thankful that she's smart and she's funny, uh, especially sometimes at my expense. That's good. Um, I'm thankful that she's a really great mom that loves our babies. Um, and I'm, I'm really thankful that she was willing to marry down in the looks department. Um, that's a good thing for me. That means I'm, I'm in there. So um, if it is my default to be grateful for my wife, to continually remind myself of why I'm grateful for her, then it will be much harder for the enemy to get me to be a pighead and stay mad at her. Do you see that? So let's say something comes up. There's an issue, a disagreement. If my default mode is that I'm constantly thinking about what I wish my wife would do better, who I wish she was like, all these ungrateful, sinful things, if that's what my, my consistent thought process is about her, and then the issue comes up, it's going to be very easy to just jump on top of that pile of issues and let that thing run out and go buck wild. On the other hand, if what I think about most of the time is I'm really thankful to have a Christian wife, I'm really thankful to have a pretty wife, prettier than I deserve, I'm really thankful to have a wife that actually loves my kids and invests in them and teaches them about Jesus, if these are the things that I'm thinking about all the time and an issue comes up and the enemy's trying to whisper in my ear all this kind of crazy stuff, it's going to be a lot harder to keep my heart separated from her, to keep a rift in that relationship, because I'm thankful for her. Yeah, you know what? We may have this issue, and it might be legitimate. It might be an authentic, rumble issue that we need to get through here. But if my disposition towards her consistently is gratitude, I'm going to have a lot better chance getting through that with love than I would if my disposition all the time is ingratitude and, you know, wishing it would be something different or with someone different or all kinds of sinful stuff that the enemy lets us think, right? You understand that? That's how every, so that's true with your friends, that's true with your family, that's true with your church family. Let me hear an amen on that. Amen. I'm thankful for you. Some of you act like a fool sometimes. Some of you say dumb stuff. Some of you act like you don't care that much about the gospel sometimes. But overall, I'm really thankful for you. I'm thankful that Jesus arrested your heart. I'm thankful that you're a part of this mission. And I'm thankful for the gifts and talents that God's put in you that's ultimately going to lead to more glory for him. I'm thankful for you. And so when you do act like a person that's not nice, um, that helps me to get through it. That helps me to love you through it. That helps me to counsel you through it. And I'm hoping you're grateful for me because when I screw up, when I fall in front of you, if I fail you, if I let you down, hopefully that's going to buy me some grace. We're going to be able to stay family, keep pushing, because this whole thing is about more than me or you individually. God's called us to get something done. We've got a whole bunch of people that don't know that there's hope in Christ. Okay? Amen. Amen, amen. Um. And even um, the status of relationship is something we need to be thankful for. So uh, if I'm married, <laughs> I need to be thankful that I'm married instead of daydreaming all the time about what it would be like to be single. It's amazing, isn't it, that um, 
Married people oftentimes, when they daydream, they daydream about being single. Single people, when they daydream, what are they thinking about? Oh, what would it be like to be married? Here's what I'm saying to you. Be thankful for the season that you're in and make the most of it for God's glory. If you're married, it doesn't matter. You are in covenant with that person, so get grateful about it and quit thinking about what it would be like if it wasn't that way. Because we love you enough that we're not going to let you do something stupid when it pertains to that anyways, okay? So unless you're willing to leave the country to go follow some sin path, just forget it, okay? You understand what I'm saying? Especially you dudes, I'm coming for you. (laughs) Don't try it. And I got brothers that are already on the team. It's a special squad, okay? We love you. We'll find you. Amen. Um, You single folks, please, please make the most of this season. I promise you that I am so grateful that I'm married and I have babies, but I promise you that it does bring with it some limitation to what I can do for the gospel. My primary mission, because I'm a daddy and a husband, is to be the shepherd over my home and to lead them towards Jesus. And so I'm very grateful for that responsibility. But I need you to quit waiting to be fruitful for the kingdom till that day when you get married. I need you to see and be grateful for where you're at right now. Not see your singleness as a curse, but see it as a gift from God. And I want you to max that thing out until he brings the person to you uh, that he's going to allow you to marry. Okay? Please, don't waste this. It's a gift from God. And there's things that you can do in God's kingdom that married people can't do. There just is. you got to see it that way. Be thankful for where you're at, even though it's hard sometimes. Okay? Reason number five. Gratitude flows from the gospel. If we are truly recipients of the unmatched beauty of the gift of grace, then no matter what is going on around us, we should be overflowing with gratitude and praise for King Jesus, who is the beautiful gift giver. If everything around us was to burn to ash, but we had the promise of eternal life through the finished work of Christ, we should never be able to be found without contentment. Do you believe that? I literally should be able to be stripped to nothing but the promise of eternal life with Jesus and still be content and have gratitude in my heart. I would ask you during communion today to take yourself to that place mentally and emotionally. I want you to really ask yourself, what would it look like if I lost everything but him? Would I still be thankful? Would I be bitter? Where would I be? Because there is a right answer. I should still be thankful. And what I mean, in case you're not thankful for the gospel today because you don't know what it is, in case you're not thankful for the gospel today because you have an idea of what it is but it's not been explained plainly to you, I want to I make sure we do that. I've, I call the gospel for the Christian our most precious jewel consistently, and that's because I mean it. It is. The gospel means the good news. It is the message that we have to preach. It is All of the culmination of all of the scriptures is pointing to the beautiful gospel message. It's about Jesus. The good news makes very little sense if we do not first have the bold love to tell you the truth about the bad news. The bad news is that every single human, since the fall of man in the garden, since Adam and Eve decided to disobey God instead of obey him, every single man and every single woman has been born with the stain of sin. We are imperfect None of us is perfect, and that's not very hard pill to swallow. We all know that. But what few of us understand is that that imperfection, that group imperfection, is not, uh, it's not a everybody gets a pass because we're all in a bad spot. It's everybody's in serious trouble if they don't have the hope of the good news in place. Every single one of us is imperfect. The Bible tells us that God is perfect, and so here's the problem. If God's perfect... He cannot in any way be mixed or mingled with imperfection. And so our sin then separates us from him. It puts a distance between us. And it's a distance we couldn't fix. Because once you're imperfect, you can't get perfect again. There's no way to work it out yourself. And that's why the good news had to happen. That's why Jesus had to come. 
Jesus was born of a virgin, and then he lived that perfect life. He fulfilled the requirement. And then what God said would be just would be that Jesus could step in, pay the price, take the wrath, substitute himself in our place for our sins, take the punishment we all deserved. And if he would do that, then God would count it to us as righteousness if we would just believe in his finished work. i got to be honest with you. I've, I've preached the gospel at this level of simplicity maybe a thousand times in my life, and yet still as I explain it, I can't, that arithmetic doesn't add up. That Jesus is perfect. Jesus is sinless. Jesus does what none of us could. That God punishes him, but then lets me just believe in what he did and accounts, I get the righteousness. Nothing else in the world works like that, and I think that's why much of us, many of us struggle to really grasp the gospel. We still, we, we, we slide back into trying to approach God the way we approach everything else, that if I, can, if I can do better, if I can clean myself up, if I can do enough good things to offset the bad things, then surely I'll be considered righteous. The Bible is just very, very clear. The only reason we have any understanding what God thinks about anything is these scriptures, and these scriptures are clear. Our righteousness in and of ourselves is filthy rags. It will never earn us favor with God. It will not bring about salvation. It is all by faith. It is only by putting faith in the finished work of Christ. And so Jesus lived. He died in our place for our sins, but death couldn't hold him. The Bible's clear. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And so that validated everything he said because he was walking around saying stuff like, I'm God, and if you destroy this temple, I'm going to raise it up in three days. He was telling people what was going to go on. A lot of folks didn't believe it, I guess, because they murdered him. But everything he said was true. Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Savior. And the Bible is clear. If we can believe. That is the currency of salvation. It's not your works. Please hear me. You being good enough is not the point. Faith in what Jesus did. It's not whatever, however many works you could do. You couldn't pile up enough to fix the problem. It's all about the work that Jesus has already done. Can you trust that the finished work of Christ has purchased for you the ability to be saved from your sin? Can you trust that the finished work of Christ that his precious blood has bought you away from that imperfection, that slavery to sin, so that you can belong to Jesus, so that you can belong to God the Father. That is what we offer today. That is, I would invite you to come to Christ. I'm not inviting you to come to religion. I'm not inviting you to come to a long list of rules. I'm inviting you to simply trust in the finished work of Christ. And does that mean that some things in your life will probably change? Yes, but you need not worry about that first. Please don't stay away from God thinking that I'm too dirty to come to him. Please, the, the call of Christ is come as you are. And then as he, as he changes your heart and as he becomes your king, what you'll find is that the desires inside of you that lead you into sin so often, that those will begin to change. That you will legitimately and authentically want to obey God more than you will want to sin. So, to some of you, that sounds wild. To some of you, you're still experiencing that process, and sometimes it freaks you out. Like, I want to go be a part of gathering with God's people. I want to be in a church service. I want to sing. I would rather do that than things I would normally uh, have rather done. It's, it still can be weird to even think about, but it's true. I would rather be nowhere than here with God's people in God's word, having an opportunity to sing God's praises. And that's not because I'm a good guy. I'm a bad guy, real bad. But he's changing me, and I'm thankful. Thankful for that. Thankful I have a gospel to preach. I'm thankful that I can offer you today salvation by grace through faith. I'm thankful that I don't have to invite you to come abide by a bunch of rules so that you can earn your own salvation. I'm thankful that's not the way God did it. I'm thankful that he was wise enough to know we would have never, ever made it if that was the way he did it. But he made it by grace. That's beautiful. And so I'm thankful today. And I'm grateful to be able to offer you that. And so we would invite you to Christ. Uh, that is the gospel. The bad news is we're separated from God by our sin. The good news is Jesus made a way that that can be fixed. We invite you to Christ today. We would invite you to surrender your life to him. May we be a people that are full of joy in absolutely every situation. 
Not because every situation is great, but because our Father is. May we be a people who focus much more on how we have been blessed and what we have already been given than what we wish we had. May God be glorified by our grateful hearts, compelling us to love and take care of others the way we have been loved and taken care of by him. May the backs of discontentment and depression be broken and those enemies humiliated as God's people live lives of constant worship that flow from pure gratitude and that being the result of his perfect love and his unending faithfulness. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. Lord, we are grateful people today. Lord, I I pray that even if I was stripped of everything, every worldly possession, everything that I count as valuable, even if I lost it all, Lord, but what I had was the beautiful good news of your gospel. If all that I had left was hope of eternity with you, that, Lord, I would still be a grateful man, that my heart would still be filled with your praises, that, Lord, your, your praises would still be found on my lips. Help us to be grateful people. Help us to, Lord, not be grateful just when situations warrant it. Help us not to wait for things to go the way we think they should go to be grateful, but help us, Lord, to in everything, in every way, and in every situation to be grateful people, knowing that that will lead to greater joy, that it will help us to see things the way you see them. And, Lord, the way you see them is the right way. Help us, Lord, please, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, we will not be content by ourselves. We will always have this hunger for more. We will always have this sinful desire for more. Lord, help us to be content right where we're at. Not that we don't have dreams and visions and goals, but God, help us right where we're at to be fulfilled. Lord, if you were to add to us, if you were to give us more, if you were to do more with us, then thank you. But if you were not, thank you. Help us to be content. Help us to be grateful. May you be glorified and honored by that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give, or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.